from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This week, Imor. This week, Rabbi David Levenkreuz discusses Imor. Rabbi David Levenkreuz is an adjunct member of the Pardes faculty. Rabbi Levenkreuz has prepared a study sheet for use with his podcast. You can download it from elmod.pardes.org. That's E-L-M-A-D dot Pardes dot O-R-G. And now, Rabbi David Levenkreuz. Thank you, Larry. This week's parsha, Emor, contains the famous concept, or some would say the infamous concept, of Ein Tachet Ayin, an eye for an eye. Much has been written about it, and it is often seen very, very negatively. A typical example is a quote that I gave in the name of the soul sheet, attributed to Mahatma Gandhi, an eye for an eye, makes the whole world blind, which seems to say that this is something barbaric or unworkable, something that should not be um, done. And in fact, this whole concept has caused much controversy in all different areas of the world. Christians, for example, use it as a um, proof that there is a punishing Old Testament God who wants absolute justice, who wants his pound of flesh, using the words of Shakespeare, um, obviously to be replaced by the good New Testament God. For many liberal Jews, this is used as a an example of the revolution that the rabbis did in reinterpreting Judaism after the destruction or during the Second Temple period and beyond, that they took an old religion, some of which might have had barbaric elements, and created something new and better out of it. Whereas if for Jews who are, or who see themselves as more traditional, this is part of a very, very big polemic where we say, no, eye for an eye never, ever, ever meant an actual eye. It always meant compensation, because that's what the rabbis did later. They said that it would be, um, that one would compensate and give money for an eye rather than actually take out an eye. So for many, many of us, of us who are more traditional, we'll say, no, the oral law always was meant to be read alongside the written law. And in fact, Ein Tachet Ein was always metaphoric and meant that one gives compensation. For the moment, at any rate, I'm going to be agnostic about what originally meant. I'm not going to go into the whole issue of what I think actually the pshat is, what I think the Bible actually meant. But what I am going to do together with you today is go on what I think is a fascinating journey in which we will see that the Bible itself already has hints or suggestions or tools or strategies to either show that it was not meant literally or that... um Within it, it contains tools the to reinterpret this verse. The Bible, it's often, often the Bible itself will be a commentary on the Bible. And in some way, I think that what I'm doing is challenging and confirming both liberal, more liberal thinkers and traditionalists. For liberal people, I'm, um, I'm saying, hey, wait a minute. It wasn't necessarily the brilliance of the rabbis only. It was already in the Bible, this idea um, of a more equitable system. On the other hand, I'm confirming the idea that there was a change. 
for people who are more traditionally oriented, um, I am opening up the idea that it may have been literal. It may have been once upon a time in the history of biblical Judaism. It may have been literal. But on the other hand, I will try to show that the rest of the Bible confirms or hints at a um, non-literal interpretation, which is a support for that way of thinking. So let's go on a journey. Let's see what um, eye for an eye, ein tachet ein has actually meant um, or means in the Bible. Um, and then let's slowly see how within the Bible there are reasons for reinterpretation. So let's start off by looking at the psukim in this week's parsha. For ish ki nefesh adam mot if a person kills another human being, they shall be put to death. Um, you kill somebody, capital punishment. Umake nefesh yishamena nefesh tachat nefesh. If you kill a beast, you shall pay a life for a life. So this isn't, you don't have to kill your own animal. Um, in order to make it up, but you do have to give a payment for a life for a life. We'll come back to this later, but already we see, even in the very presentation of this, already the idea of payment. But then let's go on to the heart of what we're studying. If somebody maims somebody else, as they have done, so it shall be done to them. Seems very literal. Shever tachat shever, a fracture for a fracture, ein tachat ein, an eye for an eye, um, shen tachat shen, a tooth for a tooth, kasher yiten mumba dan kenyin aten bono, just as he inflicted on somebody else, so it shall be inflicted on them. No real room for interpretation, one might think, over here. The only question I would ask is, what does tachat mean? nowadays in modern Hebrew it's underneath, but is it for, is it instead of, is it in replacement of, is it equivalent to, it can mean all these things. So although the two sides might be clear, an I and an I, it's not quite clear what the for means in um, in this context. But whatever it is, we have the basic idea of what is called in Lex Talionis in Latin, it's a punishment whereby the penalty is identical with or equivalent to the offense, or a person who injured another person returns the offending action to the first one in compensation. It's, um, it's, 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 it's a very, very powerful example of equivalency. Possibly it was practiced in biblical and post-biblical times, we don't know. Even in the Talmudic discussion, there is one of the rabbis who insists, even in the Talmud, that eye for an eye means the actual taking of an eye of that for the victim. One interesting idea, and I know this might sound like apologetics, but I don't think it is. One interesting idea is that actually, in the context of the times that this was written, it actually was a very progressive rule. Perhaps in those times, what people did was took a life for an eye. Even today, we know, you know, somebody does somebody something bad, one wants to get back at them even more. It could be in business. This is sometimes done very skillfully. And 
and cleverly and and we have movies about about it but um it could be that actually what this law is is to stop excessive punishment and what that's actually saying is only an eye for an eye not a life for an eye in which case this is proof of the unique value of each individual i don't have to i don't destroy a person because they did something bad to me they still have value as a um, as a person and indeed in jewish thinking we have and in the bible we have an idea of midah keneged midah measure for measure which again we'll look at later let's look at two more examples of um of lex talionis of of an eye for an eye um we have the example in dvarim this is called adim zomamin this these are witnesses that lied they lied in order to try and get somebody to be punished and it says vasit alo kasher zamam lasot lachiv this is where zomamin comes what he schemed to do you shall do to him what he planned to do the witnesses planned for the person to have to pay a lot of money incorrectly unjustly make them pay a lot of money whatever they planned to do to the person they were lying about you should do for them why obeyat ara mukibeha to sweep out the evil from amongst you and embrace it famous state statement listen to the alliteration shfokh dam hadam bad adam damoy shafakh it is also somewhat of a palindrome um more or less a palindrome shfokh dam adam the one who sheds the blood of a person bad adam damoy shafakh um by a person their blood will be shed kibet selam elokim asayat hadam in the image of god god did make people in other words there's a powerful sense of justice going on over here it may we may have been trained to be a little bit more sophisticated about these things but you can hear that there's a very much a fair thing going on over here you plan to do something wrong so something bad will happen to you these three examples are true aintachen ein true talian identical talian they mirror the punishment in other words exactly what um we want to do is um is what happens in the fourth source that we're going to look at which is the story of the um golden calf we see a little a different type of um aintachen ein what happens they've built a golden calf after afterwards they say they took the calf that they made and burnt it they made it into powder and it was put on the water and the israelites the people who had made this calf now had to go and had to drink it now this is a little bit different this is not exactly what they did happens to them but it is a punishment that conforms in some way to some characteristic of the offense we do this sometimes some of us who are involved with children whether it be um as parents or as teachers or in some other context 
it's almost like we talk about consequences or the punishment fitting the crime. So, you know, writing lines for making the garden dirty is not a good punishment. A punishment for making the garden dirty might be to have to clean up the garden and then to um, to be responsible for doing it for many weeks or something like that. So here we have a punishment that conforms to a characteristic. It's not like a hand that is sin that shall be cut off, but what the hand does, it should be done in some way. We do this today, by the way. For example, somebody might have something cons- um, confiscated, like um, guns or a car or any object by which an offence was committed in addition to whatever other ever whatever else happens, we confiscate what they did. A person's in a car accident, they may have their license revoked. If they smuggled goods, they don't only have to pay, the goods get taken back. Driver's license, I already said, maybe a trading license, or a doctor who does something wrong gets their medical license taken away. This is a little bit like an eye for an eye, but it's not that exactly what they plan to do happens to them, but more a question of it being equivalent in some way. So already here, I would say we have the first hint in the Bible that it isn't um, an absolute. It isn't an absolute, and sometimes the punishment may reflect on the um, crime rather than being an absolute way. So this is the first first hint, or um, in, in our source sheet at any rate, the first hint of something a little different. Let's look at the next two. The next two are from Yeshayahu and Yirmiyahu. It's, um, it's uh, quotes five and six on your source sheet. In Yeshayahu it says, Oyla Rasha, Rakigmul Yadav, Yaselo, Woe to the wicked person, for they shall fare badly. Whatever they have dealt, so it shall be done to them. And in Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, it says, this is God's vengeance, take vengeance, do what she has done. Again, an idea of, um, it seems as if it's completely a question and another example of Ein Tachel Ein, but over here, it's not speaking about people doing it, it's speaking about God doing it. And this is a very, very big difference. It doesn't mean people are prohibited from doing it. I don't want to over-teach what I've just said. It doesn't mean people are prohibited from doing Ein Tach and Ein. But it seems to say that this world of absolute justice doesn't exist in the world that we live in, but in a world in which God does it. God is the one who can create um, absolute justice. So we have slowly an argument being created. The first is we have examples of equivalent rather than actual punishment. Secondly, we have the idea of it being in the hands of God. Now let's look at source number seven and see another example. This is in Shmot Kaf Aleph. We'll read it just in English. When an ox calls a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten. Complete destruction of the thing that did the crime, but the owner of the ox is not to be punished. Okay. If, however, that ox had been in the habit of goring, if it was 
a goring ox, and its owner, though warned, had failed to guard it, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner too shall be put to death. Very, very strong rule. The ox is muchzak. It is a goring ox, a shornogach. It kills somebody. The owner was negligent. The owner shall also be put to death. But then it says, if ransom is laid upon him, he must pay whatever is laid upon him to redeem his life. It gives the option of a monetary replacement. Again, I don't want to overteach these. This is not the same case as an ox, not a person. It's if, not it has to. But already the idea, at least, is introduced into the world that it doesn't have to be absolute, that not all crimes that you are have killed for do you have to be killed, some as there can be a ransom. And again, there are lots of arguments against this. Maybe this is only talking about a ransom for death, but not for other things. But that's certainly not the way the um, the rabbis interpret it. In our um, in our in the very very same passage that we started off, we have a famous statement: "Mishpat echad yelachem." There shall be one law, one standard for you, stranger and citizen alike. For I am the Lord, the God. Keger kezrat ki ani Adonai Eloechem. You shall have the same law for everybody. Now, on the face of this, this doesn't look like this has anything to do with Ayn Tachad Ayn. All it's saying is that people should be treated equally, whether they're citizens or non-citizens, whether they're Jews or non-Jews, whether they're from this place or from another place. And it seems to have nothing to do with Ayn Tachad Ayn. But I think what it does is it introduces a very important idea, and that is that justice needs to be equal. It needs to be fair. And if people are equal, so should cases be fair. And that is why in the Talmud this whole idea was virtually abolished. The idea of a punishment for wounding and replaced by damages. The Torah and the Talmud after it requires that penalties be universally applicable. It seems as if Ein Tach and Ein is really fair, but it isn't true. As the Talmud said, what happens if a person's eye is larger or smaller or sharper or weaker? Is that fair? I took out the eye of a person who sees very badly, and I am a surveyor or something that use, needs my eyes very much, a doctor, uh, uh, whatever it might be, I need to have my eye to earn my living. Is it fair? What happens if a blind person takes another person's eye? Would that be fair? To take the blind person's eye out, that's much less than taking somebody else's eyes. What is if somebody already doesn't have legs? It starts beginning almost to be like a sick joke. But these are very important issues. Injures another leg. And um, what about if I extract the eye from another person's body, but I create a, extra injury, like making them lose their blood? Or maybe they die. The Talmud says, and the Torah said, an eye for an eye, not an eye and a soul for an eye. If we were to do this, any of these things in reality, there would be a high risk of hurting much more than they hurt. Um, so it's not really justice. It's not really Italian. 
It's not really equivalency. And this idea that there should be one standard of law for all will be violated. So slowly, we've actually built up within the Bible an argument about it. One is we've seen equivalent but not equal punishments. We've seen the idea that it belongs to God. The idea of fines rather than being put to death has been introduced and the idea of the law being equal. I'm not saying there aren't other passages in the Bible which would support a literal reading, but at least these four or five that I've shown over here strongly go towards the direction of not taking physical punishment for wounding literally. And in this, that is why the Bible, the the Talmud, the Mishnah, introduced a five-part compensation. Nezek, damages, pain, sa'ar, medical experience, refuah, out of work, and mental anguish, boshet, embarrassment. These are the classic five issues we look at with damages. How much damage was done? How much pain was done? What were the medical expenses? Were they out of work expenses? And what is the embarrassment? Very similar to many, many modern legal systems. What's going on over here? I think what is going on is the Bible is teaching as follows, that the perpetrator really really deserves to lose their own own eye. But what what we do instead is we treat them literally. Taking a life or an eye or a tooth is so wrong, it's as if the offending party should lose what they themselves have taken. This is what should be, by right, should be done. The Midasha Damoded Bamodudimlo, there says the uh, Mishnah, another great alliterative word. The measure by which a person measures is the measure by which they will be measured. And the Bible says Midakanek and Mida. Ideally, we would have a world of absolute justice. Unfortunately, it can't happen. It just wouldn't work. But it is an ideal. So it's very fascinating. I'm, I think what, in many, many ways, what we're saying is it would be nice to live in a world of absolute justice. Absolute justice is the ideal. It would actually in some way be good to live in a world in which if I took out somebody else's eye, their eye would be taken out. That's fair. It's not the New Testament where we, where we read that we should repay, repay doing something bad to you. We're being good to the person. It's not um, not Gandhi where we see it as rather barbaric. It actually is an ideal, but it's an ideal that is better practiced in breach than in actually doing it. And that's what I think is going on over here. That's why I think it is interpret, interpreted in this way. Going back to the hard question I asked at the beginning, do I think it really happened? Maybe, maybe, perhaps when introducing a new idea or a new concept into the world, in this case of justice or of fairness, one has to be strict. And afterwards, once we have established these ideas, one can afford to be lenient. Or maybe it was a metaphor from the beginning. I don't really know. There are many, many things in our tradition that keep me up at night. Stuff that I have trouble with things that are difficult for me to believe, 
um, times where the Torah and the rest of the world doesn't seem in sync with each other. But this is not one of them. Whether it happened originally, literally, and was later reinterpreted, or whether it never ever happened, for me, this discussion shows the beauty of the Bible and later the Talmud to be able to think about itself and make adjustments where necessary. For me, if anything, this whole discussion is a confirmation of shalom. its paths are paths of peace and all its ways are good. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi Levin Cruz. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem.